fine, let's see. So we were we were in the middle of discussing the uh, point of the agadas, right? The point of the of the moral and the ethical teachings, and not just that, but also the stories that are conveying hidden messages in the Torah. So what we were up to is on page on page two eighty two. Okay. So what we had just finished discussing is in terms of of Rav Hirsch's understanding of how the general idea of what the, the mitzvahs, how we have to understand that every, every aspect of the mitzvah is really uh, insightful in terms of giving us the understanding of why the mitzvah, what the uh, underlying purpose and the reason for the mitzvah was, okay? So the agada is the underlying spirit of the mitzvah. Now he says like this on page 282, this passage seems to suggest that agada represents the personal views of each individual thinker that there is freedom of agadic interpretation as long as it does not contradict halacha, right? Because it, it does not end up having halacha authority, the agada. And that the agadic teachings passed down by our tradition cannot claim authority. This, of course, would be further reason why we cannot derive halacha from them. Freedom to speculate is possible only if it has no effect on the practice of the law. And if instead it is circumscribed by the law's provisions that serve as the touchstone to test the accuracy of our thinking. Yet if agada is viewed in this light, how then can it, how can it be considered the authentic repository of the Torah's spirit? In other words, how can you tell me this is the, the spirit of the Torah, but yet everybody has, their, it's up for grabs. Everybody can decide what it means, right? That, that kind of would then seem that there's no real genuine or authentic spirit of the Torah. It's whatever works for you, right? It's not something that, that we would expect Rav Hirsch to be saying. Two letters written by Rav Shamshin Hirsch in 1876, published in Hamayan and an English translation, provide fuller and clearer insight into his writing, on thinking on the subject, as well as giving his resources in the writings of the Rishonim. Rishonim are the commentators who lived between about um, 950 years ago and about uh, 500, and, uh, 500 years ago. Okay, those are the commentators. The age, that age is called the Rishonim, the age of the, of the first ones. To start out, Rabbi Shamshin of Al-Hirsh stresses that beyond any doubt, the wisdom and the Musr, the Musr, the character lessons that the sages presented to us in their Agadic statements in Midrashim are incalculably great and lofty. There are no meaningless statements there. And if there seem to be any, this is due to the failure of our minds to comprehend. He goes on to declare that these teachings surely belong to the essence of what the giver of the Torah wanted us to know. That apart from the learning and transmission of the Halachot, there should arise in every generation sages whom God inspired to draw from Torah and mitzvos, words of wisdom and guidance to draw the hearts to love of God and the ways of the Torah. Okay, so the, the sages who are supposed to be able to understand from the Torah and the mitzvos, the words of wisdom and guidance that absolutely, not necessarily, if we're, if we're reading the Agadah and we open up a Gemara and we're reading the Agadah, Recently, there was a, a fascinating Agadic piece in, in, the, in the Gemara and the Dafyomi that talks about these two heretics. And one of the heretics' name was Simcha, and one of the heretics' name was Sasson, right? That's pretty interesting that you have these two heretics. One's name is Simcha, one name is Sasson. Simcha means like um, joy, and uh, Sasson means like, um, like a certain level of happiness, a little bit of a distinguished uh, type of happiness, not exactly the same thing. And they're having this big fight. Who's more important, Simcha or Sasson, right? And they're going back and forth, and they're bringing verses in, in this in this prophet and versus in that prophet, you see, I'm more important, you know, playing, they're obviously doing a, you know, a play on their names. Um, but clearly there's something else happening. Clearly there's something very deep happening. It's not just a cute little, a ditty back and forth between, 
you know, Sasson and Simcha, you know, a, a poetry slam, you know, <laughs> that's not what's happening. This is clearly a, a deeper message that's being conveyed. If you, I don't know what that message was, but if someone could, knows what that message is, there's something unique and important that needs to be drawn from there. Are these teachings from Sinai, as can be inferred by the statement that Agada was part of the Torah given at Sinai? If they do not turn aside from the path of truth and righteous, they are without doubt part of his intention from the very giving of his Torah. When he informed Moshe of these aspects of Torah too, but in a general way, without going into all the details that at some time a scholar may express publicly. Okay, this is a very important point. So he transmitted it generally so that each scholar could develop his own ideas and produce fresh flowers in the garden of Torah and mitzvahs. So the general idea is certainly gonna be expressed in that statement, right? So you'll get a sense of the general idea that we're supposed to be grasping. And that will be something which is coming directly from, from, from Sinai. But in terms of being able to pinpoint a specific idea, the fact that there is a level of, of freedom in terms of within the, within the specific idea that is being conveyed to still angle different paths within that, that itself is something which is only going to be able to be derived from by the great scholars and the great Torah sages of that generation. And they will have the true, the true version. That true version could have different paths, but it will be the true version. Something that we mentioned in the past, we'll just finish with this. When it comes to the idea that, uh, you know, there's a famous midrash that says that the, the Torah is like uh, the words that we say in the Torah, it's like a hammer hitting a rock. When you hit a rock, it could, could break into many different pieces, right? So each of our interpretations are actually all part of that actual rock, right? So the, the words of the Torah interpretation that we each as individuals give is all true. It's all part of the Torah. Once again, though, the, the truths that are conveyed by people who have their mind straight and have their mind with, it's not corrupted with all garbage and types of stuff that we all, unfortunately are purveyors or not we're the purveyors of, but we are getting from the rest of the world and from general society, then we have a different perspective. And what we believe to be true, it might have some truth to it, but it might not because it's unduly influenced by everything else that we are assimilating into ourselves and that we are um, digesting in, in terms of our daily living. But when you talk about a Torah scholar who spends his life really trying to cause himself to think the proper thoughts and to cause himself to use the proper, the axioms of logic that the Torah really wants us to use, then when he comes up with the understanding of what that Agathic passage is trying to tell, that will be far closer to the truth and to the underlying meaning and the essence of what it is supposed to be conveying than our own interpretation that is influenced by everything else in our lives.